This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, the podcast that follows the fantastic Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Dean, joined this week by Dane, as Jane is uh, busy at Fort Park, enjoying the thrills of the rides. Uh, Dane, good to see you. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous, actually, because last time I was on a, a podcast with Rob, I had to witness him really like having a go at you, and I actually felt quite sorry for you uh, and, and, and disappointed in some of his words. So hopefully you don't turn on him this time, now you've got your... Uh, live opportunity well I, I did listen to the show so i know that's a load of old rubbish um especially from you dane i wasn't going to bring it up i was going to let it slide seeing this is two against one uh, but seeing as you brought it up we are joined by um an average meme creator um average joke teller in the cfcw social editor rob prattley rob um, welcome to the show how are you doing yeah i think that's the nicest thing you ever said about me um, yeah, no, I'm uh, not doing too bad. I, you know, I should remind everyone other theme parks are available. Just, yeah, you know, I don't think you've quite got the full part sponsorship yet, but I'm sure it's coming soon. Yeah, not quite. Um, or podcast on a, on a roller coaster would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Trying to talk about Chelsea on stealth or something like that. I, I mean, I feel like that's definitely some sort of, yeah, I feel that like there's definitely content there. Yeah, although not for me, I'd probably be sick. Um, Rob, you was at the game we're here to talk about. Um, interestingly, there was a an away end at a WSL yeah. fixture. Um, what was that like? Um, kind of a bit of a surprise, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, to my knowledge, there wasn't meant to be an away end. It was more due to the fact that, from what I understand on the day, there were so many Chelsea fans turned up. There were so many Spurs fans that had also got tickets and they actually needed to end up opening it up because they had to turn up on the day. Um, but it was good to actually have, you know, the majority of the Chelsea fans all in one area. It meant that, you know, consistently there could be a good solid noise and a good, you know, 
a real sort of, I think, emphasis on camaraderie, which sometimes you don't get in some WSL away days because they're not as well coordinated as, say, in the Premier League. Um, I think actually, you know, a club-wide and a league-wide issue, it's not, you know, one single club. Um, credit to, you know, Tottenham in that regard. Uh, it was well organised. They clearly, you know, made it open for people to go there. There were some Chelsea fans in, we, you know, the Spurs fans, obviously, you know, in the men's game, usually we'd end up beating up each other, but that doesn't quite happen at this moment. I think, you know, that level of rivalry does need to develop somewhat. I'm not saying, you know, we need to beat the death out of each other, but I don't think you should have fans mixing for things like big London derbies. Um, maybe that's just me being old-fashioned and not being, you know, inclusive. Um, but I do think it was good to have a proper away end. And just due to the fact that it meant that everyone was sort of together and you get more noise as a result. Yeah, it's a bit of a controversial subject, Dane, the away ends. Because some supporters like the fact that you can sit amongst the home fans and everyone mixes together. But as Rob said, I think it helps create the atmosphere when you've got that away end. We're going to have it at Kings Meadow against Manchester United on the final day of the season. Do you think it's the right thing to do going forward? Like yeah. In the fans? yeah, no, it is. It's absolutely, you know, you, you, you'd like to be sitting there, you know, amongst your fans. And yeah, you know, as Rob says, we don't want to take it to the levels of, of obviously, obviously the men's game, uh, you know, because there's obviously massive hatred between Chelsea and Tottenham, uh, 99% of, 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 of either of the fan base, but you know, you can, you can, you can have a, you know, a polite rivalry and, and, and all that, you know, I remember, uh, the cup final when we beat Arsenal 3 1 uh, quite a few years ago, and uh, yeah, that was quite mixed as well. I remember there, there was a few Arsenal supporters in the Chelsea end, and they were, uh, you know, acting like it was a men's game, and you know, they were just getting stared at, and people made made some of the uh, you know sort of families feel uncomfortable uh but i think it's the right way to go you know it's it's one of many things that we're looking to improve if we're talking about full-time refs and 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 other aspects of the game and 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 the crowds and all that yeah that is definitely one and there's nothing wrong with it and if you're traveling to watch your team you'd prefer to be sitting with uh with your own supporters and it just makes it that more fun especially if it you know the whims because you know you notice people you know it's regulars and it's it's nice to obviously meet up and have that have that time together, whether it is home and away. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything worse than a Spurs fan jumping up in the West Stand on Thursday night if, if Tottenham score a goal. <laughs> I don't know why you would want to do that, but each of their own. Uh, anyway, we are here to talk about Chelsea's 3-1 win away at Tottenham uh, this past Sunday. Uh, Chelsea lined up in a 3-5-2 formation with Anne Katchenberger in goal. Uh, Millie Bright and Nick Newen and Jess Carter in defence. Neve Charles, Sophie Ingle, Aaron Cuthbert, Jisoo Young and Guru Wrighton in midfield and Bethany England and Sam Kerr in attack. Emma Hayes used all five substitutions, bringing on Sachira Mizovic for Bethany England, uh, Magda Eriksson for Nick Nguyen, uh, Penilla Harder for G, Jonna Anderson for Neve Charles, and Jesse Fleming for Guru Wrighton. Stats-wise, Chelsea had 44% possession, 12 shots, 6 on target, 6 corners and 12 fouls to Spurs' 56% possession, 9 shots, 0 on target, 9 corners and 8 fouls. Uh, Rob, I always think it's a, it's a little bit of a shock not to have either Harder or Fleming starting in a Chelsea team, but yeah. it was the same team that beat Arsenal, so not really many complaints on the day. Yeah, I'm I'm very much a big adage of uh, if it isn't broken, don't fix it, um, and if it isn't, you know, if you don't need to fix it, don't make changes. Um, I do think that I'd have started Jesse Fleming, um, but I do also see the merit of having her coming off the bench. And I do also think, you know, with the nature of how the game went against Arsenal and also 
the previous game against Reading, of which I think there were only minimal changes to the lineup from that. They were both quite comfortable wins. So I think it was a selection that was designed maybe to, you know, continue that in mind. Emma did also say uh, post-game that, you know, they were still working on the minutes for uh, Penilla Harder after coming back from injury. So that also probably factored into it, I think, especially with the nature of the pitch at the Hive being not the best in the WSL. Yeah, Jane sent us a, a video of the pitch, which looked dreadful. I asked if they'd play rugby on it. Apparently, three teams share that pitch, which is why it looks a little bit worse for wear. Um, Dane, as I mentioned, the substitutions, obviously, Sachira Muzovic is a goalkeeper. Uh, Bethany England is a striker. So that substitution obviously happened because of the red card to AKB in the 33rd minute. Uh, but then looking at the stats, Spurs, no shots on target, which, again, you know, points to our defence doing absolutely incredibly, which they have done all throughout this season, really. Yeah, why was the uh, half-time substitution new in for Ericsson? Was that tactical or was that an injury? Uh, it was tactical. So was was she was she struggling then? When, n- not so much struggling. I think it's that they wanted to go back to a back four. And oh, okay. Magda has more experience playing in a four than now. Mm. So, yeah, so then, then there you go. You know, if you look at the substitutions, you know, a harder f- for G at, at halftime as well as Ericsson for Nguyen. Obviously, they had to make the Musovic one about eight minutes before half time. So, you know, and as Rob said, they've gone back to a four. So, you know, it, you know, we love seeing that from, from managers of our teams, how they can quickly adjust just in game, you know, or half time tactically. You know, not seeing it a, a great deal from the men's at the moment. They seem to be plugging one hole, but uh, opening another. But Emma, Emma, Emma is so, so tactically classed that you know, I'm not surprised. And yeah. Looking at the stats, then Tottenham, you know, obviously I've only seen the highlights and, you know, it, it's hard to, uh, you know, hard to judge a, a performance. Uh, you know, to me, Rachel Williams looked pacey, you looked fast, but that's on just on a couple of moments. Uh, and uh, who else did I, I quite, I've always quite liked the look of, is it Kaya Simon, Simon, Kaya Simon? She, Kaya Simon, she yeah. was the one who produced the through ball, wasn't it, for sending off? Yeah. Yeah, a great, a very G-esque sort of defence splitting pass. But yeah, you know, it is, it is encouraging to see. And, you know, obviously I was following it because I was at the the, uh, the men's uh, home game against West Ham. So I was trying to follow it on my phone. I think we was at half an hour ahead or something. I'm obviously quite worrying when you see Berger get sent off. But yeah, wow. Yeah, those, those uh, notifications I was getting was very much enjoyed. <laughs> enjoyed a lot more than, than the game I was watching. Yeah, I was actually out, so I watched the game back. So it was on BBC, so you watched the whole game. Uh, and I thought, Rob, we actually started the game pretty well in the opening exchanges. You know, they looked you know, pretty positive. Uh, and then it was like Spurs got back into the game after about 10 minutes, was it? Yeah. And then obviously took the lead through that free cone goal. Um, AKB sort of misjudges the flight in the wind, maybe a little bit off the post and hits Ingle and goes in. Could you really proportionally blame? For that goal, or it's just one of those freak instances that happens in football. Yeah, freak instances. Like I don't. If you're being really, really critical, there's an argument for having someone on the post um, because they could have cleared it. Then again, I do like saying the fact the post very rarely scores. The players in the box are more likely to score than the post. Um, it, you know, one of those things that happens. Ninety nine times out of ten, it'll bounce back off the post into safety, or bounce and be cleared, or be blazed over, or go over. It was just that freak sort of time that it did happen. The only thing I will say that I think, you know, was relevant is that it was some cheap corners that Chelsea did concede in a row. 
Um, and there were some of they were conceding some really cheap set pieces, and that's Tottenham's real bread and butter. Um, that's something they are really, really good at. And something Rahan Skinner makes no secret that they practice a lot of. Um, I think is it's about fifty percent of their goals this season have come from set piece situations, or possibly even higher. So it, you know, it was one of those things. I think Chelsea needs to be a bit more streetwise in that regard. Is it? Was it? Was it? Was the conditions? Was it windy, or was yeah. it uh, just? Oh. Very windy up that end. It was hard because we were at the far end to tell exactly how much, but you could tell the wind definitely played a factor in the way the ball curved. To be fair to Bartrip as well, she did put a couple of other really good corners in. So I think it was also the fact that, you know, she's just very good at set pieces. Oh, Molly, yeah, yeah, I've seen her a few times. It's it wondering when you're saying that they practice on their set pieces. I wondered if he was, if he was going to go down the Sari, Sari-esque uh, of about 80 different versions of the corners that he apparently had that... I can't remember seeing much of it. It all at the same sometime. One thing that was really interesting, actually, was Tottenham's variation on corners in that a lot of them, and I think this was due to the fact that they were at home and the pitch was so uneven, they were playing a lot of them short and then delivering it from a more earlier sort of crossing area. So sort of maybe from in line with the edge of the 18-yard box and sort of slightly further back. So they could almost loop longer balls into the box and go for the knockdowns and for the second passes and the bounce was so unpredictable it I think in a way that did and this is maybe also why Nowen came off Nowen did look to be struggling a little bit with the bounce and with reading with the bounce of the ball Spurs were very very physical um and you know were going up real being very much in their face trying to you know wind Chelsea players up playing for yeah. cheap free kicks um and you know that's part of the game I'm not I'm not to say that you know they shouldn't do that if that's what they think is you know, the best way to win a game against superior opposition, no problem with it. But I think it was one of those where Nowen especially did look to be struggling. Millie Bright, I think, equipped herself a bit more to it and Karth did as well. But they were starting to really target Aniak Nowen towards the middle and sort of end of uh, the first half. Yeah, they did say on actually on, on the BBC when they Spurs first started getting those uh, run of corners that Chelsea hadn't conceded from a set piece. This season, and I was like, "Oh, I know what's coming." Then, even though I did know what was coming, it just like uh, preceded an unfortunate event. Um, Dave Chelsea got back into the game through Guru Wright, and um, we've asked this question before for one of her goals: uh, cross or shot? Oh yeah, let's be honest. It was probably a cross to the far post, wasn't it? You know, I was I was just thinking. Obviously, we were just talking about a previous goal, and you like to think it usually even evens themselves up over a season and it obviously evened itself up very quickly you know nearly 12 minutes later but yeah so obviously on the highlight you know it looked like a great surge by by G didn't it and 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 she found the the very consistently and very dangerous uh, guru writer and then she sort of skinned uh, Ashley Neville didn't she and she just went to dink it to the far post it's a dangerous it's an area you know, people panic, but the defence never had a chance to panic because it just floated in the far post. It was fortunate for us, but as I said, you know, 12 minutes before, you know, we was on the other end of, of, of some misfortune, so it was nice to get some fortune straight back. I'm I'm actually going to fight Brighton's corner here. The fact she did it against <laughs> Leicester and the one against Leicester, she clearly meant it. Uh, earlier in the game, before this, she had another one where she put it towards the back post, and Tina Rika Corpela was very far forward and very far sort of towards her near post. And there was that space in behind in that back post area that I was thinking, hang on, if you get a decent ball in. My rationale was if you get a decent ball in there, Sam Kerr's got to tap it. But I think 
and the way you look at right and she does look up and she does look where I think Corpela is. She's not looking into the box. So I think she actually did mean it. Maybe that's, you know, me being, you know, my bias hat on because it was a really nice goal to see live. Um, but I, I think she did actually mean it. And the fact is the fact she's done it a couple of times this season and we know she's got that ability to do it. It seems, you know, slightly coincidental. I think it's three times this season now she's come up with that exact perfect cross to get it into that far post. This is one of the things that is, you know, been commented on about um, sort of women goalkeeping. And I think it is, you know, an aspect that has to be considered is that because they are generally shorter, there is more of an opportunity if you can get lobs right and get precise, you know, lobs right. You see it with Mary Earps, for example, at Manchester United. If you get anything near the top corner, you know it's going in because she's just not getting there. And I think that was the case with Rena Corpela in this game. You think though she, she's so talented though, girl, right? And obviously there, you know, if, if if I don't know, you know, the levels that you know you two ever played football, but sometimes you, you you'd be out wide and you put the ball into the box, you think you've done your job, but they're so talented, they can even come up with a cross shot. Yeah. You know, like you said, it could have been a cross shot. You know, if it, if it goes in, it's a goal for me or if someone's heading it in from a couple of yards out like Sam Kerr. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, you know, if it was a, 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 a she's so talented and it could it could have been either. But now we'll the go way she Denny. celebrated it and the way she responded afterwards, I appreciate it. Good point. Yeah. yeah. The way she celebrated it, it looked like she meant it mm. because you can usually tell when players score freak goals like that. Um I remember there was one of them in the men's game earlier this season. I can't remember who it was, but one of the crosses towards the back post that floated in. And you could tell they absolutely did not mean it to go in because they didn't really want to celebrate it. In Wrighton's case, she was very happy to. Mm. And I think that's usually the telling point for me. Either that or she was just really happy to score in Spurs. Either way, you know, <laughs> very valid reasoning. I think actually with you, Rob, I think if you look at the way the ball comes off her boot, that it's going, it's not trying to be across. Uh, that's the direction she's put it. So, um, I think she means it. I'll give it to to Wrighton on, on this occasion. Um, obviously, after this became the most controversial moment of the game, which was the red card to AKB. Uh, bit of poor play by I think Newman actually. I think losing her her player Rachel Williams, AKB obviously rushes out. Does she pull out a bit, Dane? Does Williams jump into her? Is Williams getting a clear shot of goal from this? Is the red card the right decision? Again, you know, we're we're a Chelsea-based podcast, so I think it's harsh. But I, I I will highlight that if it's at the other end, I'm screaming for a red card. Uh, that's just the way it is. Sometimes you can't split that loyalty to your team. Uh, I thought it was a little bit harsh. I I I I thought she took a touch a little bit too wide, and I could see. Obviously, I think it was Millian New, and I think Millen was Millie Millie Bright was just a little bit ahead. And I I, I think if she had have had a free shot at, at goal, I think Millie would have been in a position to to block it. She might not have got there, but I think she would have obviously faced up to the goal. But again, that's that's all ifs and buts, isn't it? We you know we'll never see it because because obviously uh, Anne Katzenberger sort of took her out again. Yeah. It, yeah. It, as I said, if it, if it was at the other end, I would have screened red card. But I, I did think that. He, it was hard for Berger to pull out. She looked committed, and then it, if they sort of coming together. Yeah, maybe I sound too biased. It, it was, but it's a hard one to judge, isn't it? When 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 you know if it was at the other end, we'd have been screaming for a red ourselves. Yeah, Rob, do we need to take our blue ticket glasses off here? I mean, when I saw it live, I thought it was a harsh decision. Seeing it live in the moment, um, I think Williams did jump into it somewhat. 
I think she was going away from goal and there were players covering. Seeing it back subsequently, I don't think there could be any complaints. Uh, if I'm completely honest, it reminded me a lot of the one with Bagley um, against Sam Kerr in the Conti Cup, where left totally exposed and just had to come steaming out. It was interesting. Again, I was sat in the bar after the game and heard the referees and the officiating team speaking. And I will, you know, I thought the referee had a poor game. I won't sugarcoat that. But the one thing I will say is she clearly had it in her mind as soon as it happened that it was going to be a red card. And regardless of her coming over there and, you know, it looked like she wasn't initially going to give it, she had it in her mind. She said she was going to give it. She was waiting to see if Berger was okay, first and foremost, because she wasn't getting fooled by, you know, that act. But at the same time, it was a big collision. Um, the argument for me might have been was Williams on side. Again, haven't seen it properly back from a side on angle. It looked quite tight. Earlier in the move, if it had been at a decent stadium, the ball would have bounced out from the first ball because Naz sort of kept it in purely because it bounced back and completely spun against the standard gradient of a football. Um, but yeah, no, I don't really think we can complain about that. To be honest, I... If it had been up the other end, we'd have been screaming, you know, for the red card and for the decision. And I think, you know, that says it all, really. So It was a great pass, though. Like you said, it was great movement. Yeah. Really yeah, great movement. Ball, I think that's the one That's the one time I've seen some issues with the, this, uh, with the back three, is when sometimes we're situations where now one gets um, sort of caught upfield and you have the gap between her and Bright being quite large and there's options to run through. Now, one thing I will say that Musovic has had over Berger, that I will say I have noticed in the last few Musovic starts with a very high goalkeeping line and she sweeps very, very well. She does sweep up. She does, doesn't mind coming out of her box to sweep. Berger is a bit more traditional and a bit more conservative. In this case, I don't think it would have made much of a difference because I think if Musovic had came out, she likely would have either taken the player out or not got to the ball anyway. But that is one thing I did notice is that Berger tends to be a little bit slower off her line in the sort of nature of the goalkeeper that she is. So, yeah, I don't think we can really complain about it. To be honest, I think the red card, after the difficult few minutes before half-time, I think it actually galvanised the side more than anything because I felt that it was quite unjust. Speaking of AKB, Dane, um, she, she had lost her place recently to Sachira. Um, She's made a few mistakes this season. Um, is this the end of sort of her this season? Do you think with only a few games left, so she was obviously going to play the next game? Is that going to be enough for her to cement her you know, status as the number one? I think so. I think I think with the limited number of games left in the league and uh, the cup final, yeah, I think that could be it for AKB this season, unless unless uh, unless Emma Hayes shows some real loyalty to. To you know, one of the mainstay players in recent years, you know, top performer, top goalkeeper, you know, and she's been excellent for us. You know, we've, you know, again mentioned in the men's, you know, we, we saw Kepa come in and do very well in the African Nations, but as soon as Mendy was back, that was it. We haven't seen Kepa since, not even for any of the uh, the cup games. So, you know, very, very, that, that was a clear, clear sign that Mendy was number one. Uh, whether we've we've seen. Musovic come in uh, sparingly over the season and 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 really stake a claim and and surprisingly even when she, she started two or three in a row we was having questions on this podcast wasn't there is that going to be it and 
people was questioning you on Twitter and, 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 you know, but that's the debate, you know, we have, you know, we need topics. Eventually started the fourth game and then the fifth game and we thought, oh, wow, here we, here we go then. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I think that's it. I think Mustovich will come in, you know, and 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 she'll she, she'll she'll be in for the final, unless obviously injuries or another sending off, obviously. Escape <laughs> for that. Yeah, fingers crossed. Not she obviously made a, a fantastic save as well in this game. Uh, Rob, obviously with a goalkeeper being sent off, Emma Hayes has to make a substitution. Otherwise, mm. one of the outfield players has to put the gloves on. Uh, she took off Beth England. Um, obviously proved to be the right decision at the end of the game because Sam Kerr scored the goal. Um, yeah. But it's disappointing for Beth, isn't it? Another factor in her season that stopped her going. Yeah, I, I think it was one of those ones where like Beth understood this time, even if she didn't necessarily like, like it. You could tell when she came off, she did turn to you know, the supporters and gestured to the supporters to keep the noise going and keep it up. And throughout you know, all of the second half, you could see she was pretty much constantly on the sort of touchline, was effectively acting as a de facto extra coach um, sort of down there. It, it's tough because obviously it was our 150th appearance as well. Um, you know, I think it's fair to say Beth England is a Chelsea women legend. Um, I think, you know, she, her record speaks for herself, both in terms of what she's done in goal scoring, but also I think as a team player, I think that's something that gets heavily overlooked for Beth England in the last few years, especially she has constantly had to, you know, play second fiddle to Sam Kerr, Penilla Harder, Frank Kirby, who are all world-class players. She has done it without complaining. She has done it without, you know, openly moaning. She's clearly been a very positive force in the dressing room. And whenever she comes in, she delivers goals and gets an assists. And I think, you know, she came off, and Emma sort of said she came off more because Sam Kerr stayed on and they needed that extra sort of speed and that running up front. But... You know, if it had been sort of Sam coming off, she wouldn't have had any problem with keeping Beth on. And I think it was just a case that, you know, in this case, Beth was the, not more expendable, that's the wrong word, but the right option to bring off. And to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me to see if Beth did start on Thursday against Tottenham because it did look like the two strikers up front were really causing them problems, especially early on in the game. That's so good to hear, though. What an ultimate professional and it shows the personality and, and the person behind you know, behind the player we just see on the cameras and, you know, mm. rightly to be disappointed, you know, uh, we've seen it before, haven't we, when someone gets sent off quite early and it's usually a forward or attacking player sacrifice, but, you know, she said straight away, you know, she, she's gearing up the Chelsea fans, you know, keep focus, keep the noise going and that just sums up, sums her up as as, as the person we, we, we believe she is and, you know, while we adore her so much and, and you're right, she is, she's an absolute Chelsea legend and she always will be a, yeah, as they came off at half time, the camera was on Emma and she sort of said something to Beth. It looked like she was saying sorry. And yeah. she looked like she felt Brilliant. bad for taking her off. And Beth sort of said, um, you know, what can you do? Like, you've got to take a player off. And if it's me, then I'll, I'll sacrifice myself. Well, Rob's uh, right. You, 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 it, it's the smart one to make because where Kerr, Kerr is very lightning, very lightning quick, and she can run the channels well. Not that Bethany can't, but, you know, yeah. It, it, it was probably the one I would have made if I was ever manager of Chelsea women. <laughs> I'll also say it was telling after the game that the first player to come over to the fans and to be celebrating with the fans, the first players over there were Ingle and Beth England, no. were the two players that were first over there. Sam Kerr came over, I think, because there was one of her friends in the crowd as well, but she sort of briefly came over to see them more than anything and then go back and had to do media sort of interviews, I think. But 
England was first one over there and you could see, you know, it was clearly frustrating to come off, but you can tell she's someone who, I think she's a real force in the dressing room in terms of personality. And she makes it so abundantly clear that all she wants to do is sort of play and to play for Chelsea um, in her sort of social media content, in her posts, in the way she conducts herself. And I think it's very, you know, in a way, it's an extremely lucky thing. Seeing that substitution, it was an example of how lucky Chelsea are that they've got a side where there aren't egos, there aren't pretenses in there. There are just a squad of players that fight for each other and absolutely give everything for each other. And I think that's what this game and also Villa at home have really showed to me this season is the amount of spirit and grit there is in this squad. She's been riding a wave, hasn't she, in the recently Beth in England? Maybe if she hadn't played a lot and they gave her a chance today, when she and, and then obviously with Anne Katchenberger being sent off and then she substituted, naturally she'd be freaking, I've only had like half an hour, I'd had disappointing. But this wave she, she's ridden for the last few weeks, you know, consistent performances, 90 minutes, goals, you know, so she's going to be in a really good position to... To you know, you know, know to, to support the team when she's come off because you know she still played her part and she's been playing her part fantastically in the last few weeks, four six weeks. Yeah, I think with Fran being injured as well, not going to obviously come back this season. Um, this three five two that we sort of seem to be playing at the minute, I think that's going to stay. So there's going to be more chances uh, for Beth. And we'll talk about the game coming on Thursday a bit later. But yeah, as Rob said, it wouldn't surprise me if Beth starts that game as well. Uh, Rob, after the red card, obviously Chelsea are a little bit disorientated and it was ended up being 20 minutes they had to play uh, at the end of the first half due to the ideal on time. Uh, Spurs put us under a lot of pressure, but they showed resilience and they stuck in and stayed level. And that, and that was huge going into half time, wasn't it? To, to be level, yeah, I think so. To be honest, Spurs had a lot of you know half chances, a lot of set pieces, they were putting us under a lot of pressure, but you could tell you know mentally it was the case of get in there at half time. Um, when the players came off, they came off to a, you know, there was a, a lot of cheering and a lot of support from the fans. And, you know, Emma could clearly see that and recognise that. And the players could see that and recognise that. And they demonstrated that they were appreciative of it. Um, I think there was also a bit of a siege mentality created in that it felt that the decisions perhaps didn't go Chelsea's way in the first half. There's perhaps, you know, maybe a little bit of poor decision-making from the officiating team. And so... You build that mentality, don't you? Again, Mourinho was so good at Chelsea men of us against the world and those, you know, in the dressing room. And if you're on our side, you're with us. And if not, everyone else is against you and wants to see you fail. And I think that's sort of the mentality that Chelsea women took in the game. Yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, at half-time, Dane, two players came on, uh, Magda Eriksson and, and Melinda Harder. Um, sort of experience key. Chelsea looked flustered before the half-time thanks to the red card, sort of to be expected, but the presence of these two you know, really helped you know, to settle the team down, didn't it? Oh, what, hard? Yeah, well, obviously, hardest talent, yeah, and made it harder than Ericsson's talent and their experience and, uh, you know, the professional, the leaders, you know, I've said many times about this team, you know, uh, it, it reminds me of the men's team from from 10, 15 years back where you had, you know, about seven or eight captains and leaders on the field and and obviously uh, Panilla and obviously Magda is our, is our captain. So, yeah, you know, what a great way to come on. It would have been, I'd love to have heard what Emma said to them both, you know, and and, and how to, you know, get, get get back into this game. And 
And then, as you said earlier in the show, you know, that, that she that, that they changed tactics, went to a, I presume it was a 4-4-1 uh, and, and set up. And you've got to come up with something in that instance. And it, it and hopefully it worked. And again, showing her class as a, as a manager, it, it did work. But, you know, sometimes as a manager, you're only as good as your players. And, you know, no matter what you say to them, Sometimes it doesn't go through. Sometimes it does. But if you've got a perfect balance of of, of world class manager and world class players to be off the bench, then yeah, then you've got a good chance of getting spank out of the game, even if you have only got uh, 10, 10 women. Yeah, I wasn't actually watching the game, but at the time on Discord, I said you know you need to move away from three at the back if you've only got ten players because you're really limiting yourself. And obviously the subs went. It was look a four two two one, wasn't it, Rob? Uh, with Harder and and Wrighton playing as midfielders and attackers in the same breath. And that first 10 minutes, we looked you know, good again. Like a, you couldn't feel that extra play that Tottenham had. You didn't notice that advantage. Yeah. No, no, definitely. I mean, I saw it more as maybe a 4-4-1 um, formation with how wide harder and Wrighton were actually going. They were sort of lining up with the wide Spurs players. But certainly Tottenham didn't really create anything. Um, I mean, they had the half chance that, uh, was Case Kerry's Harrop put in a sort of cross shot that Musovic saved really, really well, but I don't think it was, you know, a clear cut opportunity, as per se. It was more of a fortunate sort of manoeuvre. And then Jess Naz sort of lashed the rebound over. But other than that, Tottenham didn't really do anything at all. Um, they just looked content to, you know, sit on the point. They were playing a lot of longer passes. The wind was going against them in the second half, which clearly factored into it because a lot of their longer passes were going straight through to the goalkeeper. Um, but it was one of those games where you kind of felt that Chelsea needed that little bit of a spark of something or moment of brilliance, a mistake, whatever, in order to win the game. Yeah, that um, obviously after that, Dane, Spurs started to get back into the game, I thought, a little bit. Emma makes another change with John Anderson coming on for Neve Charles and Chelsea have a more traditional back four. Um, with Carter Bright, Ericsson and, and Anderson. Her first touch is across the Sam Kerr to make it 2-1 and a yeah, fantastic header, but a really important goal in an important moment of the game, wasn't it? Yeah, obviously, I haven't seen the highlight yet. Again, great, great control. I think it was by Guru Wrighton, you know, and, and great, you know, a full-back overlapping by Jona Anderson and, you know, it's, it's a peach of a cross, isn't it? And Sam scores of her head, you know, water is wet. Snow is cold, sun is hot, you know, <laughs> you know, but, you know, but she's so devastating in the air, you know, let's not take anything away from that finish because she is one of the best in the world when, when, when attacking at goal, but it doesn't make it easy. Uh, uh, she is, she is phenomenal in the air and uh, what a goal and what a time as well. What a time to take the lead. But again, it's the substitutions working, isn't it? And uh, Jonna Anderson, who, who again, you know, you know, early on in the season, we wasn't seeing a lot. And then she sort of found herself in. And then I'm lucky to be on the bench again recently. But, you know, again, another ultimate professional. You know, she's been a great player for us. Obviously, she's leaving at the end of the season. But uh, again, she's just shown her worth. And we haven't, we, haven't, we haven't got no hints at where, where she's going or have we heard anything or not, not obviously we could say afterwards, but yeah, it was, a, it was a great cross, but we've seen her produce great crosses over her, her years at Chelsea. She's going back to Sweden, isn't she, Rob? Yeah, I believe it's Hammerby. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as you said, what a player to bring on on the pitch and she makes the difference mm. almost straight away and 
the, the goal really seemed to knock the wind out of Spurs. I think, Rob, they didn't really trouble Mizovic, as we said. Uh, I thought Chelsea controlled the game from that point. Do you think there's sort of a mentality thing there that have gone 2-1 down against Chelsea we're not going to get back in this game? Uh, partly that. I mean, uh, firstly, I want to make another um, additional point on sort of on Sam Kerr, again, to quote a very good friend in Rata, uh, Sam Maker, but Sam will score. It is becoming like absolutely inevitable. I think it's, you know, eight in six now. And the thing with Sam Kerr, and I've said this, this is to me the reason why I do think Sam Kerr is a better striker than Viviana Miedemar. I know that will annoy any Arsenal fans that might be listening. So hello if you are. Um, is that Miedemar is a great player but she's the sort of player that when you're 1-0 up, you will go from being 1-0 up and instead you'll score, you know, 2-3-4 and she'll get a hat-trick at that point when there's more space in the game is stretched. Sam Kerr is the sort of player that you have one chance late on in the game, Sam Kerr buries it and suddenly one point goes to three points. We saw it against Aston Villa. We saw it early in the season when she got the assist for Fleming against Aston Villa. We saw it, um, you know, in this game against Tottenham. She's so good at being the difference maker and deciding tight games. And I think that's, you know, that to me is the real sign of a world-class striker when you can look to them and you can say, well, you know, we might be 1-1 until the 89th minute, but that's okay because we'll create one perfect chance and or one decent chance they will take it and suddenly that's three points. Tottenham, I think if they'd have come out and they'd have gone more offensive, they'd have ended up losing by quite a heavier margin because they clearly had lined up trying to, you know, I think, frustrate Chelsea, maybe try and get them to the final 10 minutes when Chelsea would have pushed more players forward and play on the break. But as soon as they then go 2-1 down, you've then got to start committing players forward yourself and that was going to leave gaps at the back. And obviously, Sam Kirk can run a lot. There was the fresh legs of Penilla Harder as well. And there was one occasion with Penilla Harder where she got away and she motored up the pitch by about, you know, sort of 40, 50 yards before someone did tackle her. And if you'd have had that, you know, more consistently, then I think, Chelsea would have eventually just found the back of the net again. Yeah, Kerr's actually had a, another incredible season. I think it's easy to overlook that she just scores goals. She does so much more, as you said, leaving her own because of her pace. Uh, her ability to press along with Fleming, uh, Fleming and Harder at the end it was obviously key. Uh, and talking to Fleming, Dane, she came on the last 10 minutes with 20 seconds to go. Uh, she picks up a loose ball and absolutely rifles it into the top corner. Um, just a fantastic goal and this has been sort of a breakthrough season for her hasn't it yeah 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 obviously she cut across that ball perfectly bang into top corner you know as always with her you know as we said at the beginning of the show you know unlucky not to start but what a statement you know coming on and, and, and putting the game out of Tottenham's reach you know is there anything she can't do uh, it's funny because just, just watching Twitter you know every time Chelsea fans are singing their praises on their you know Canadian national team fans will be like yeah we know yeah, we know. Yeah. We've seen it for years. Yeah, you know, we're not surprised. But you know, I, I, what, what won't surprise me will, will be, you know, the uh, levels and ceilings that she can go to. I think she's twenty three, same age as Erin. And again, they've, they've, they've just gone to, they've just stepped up their game so much this year. You know, we was all, we, 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 all, we all saw the Olympics she had where she won gold and was, was, was instrumental in, in Canada. 
you know, you know, doing so well. And uh, and we saw bits and pieces last year, and 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 similar to Aaron. Aaron obviously was getting in, in in the team more and was trusted more. But Fleming yeah, has just taken her game onto another level in Chelsea. She's trusted more. And she's producing, you know, absolute stellar performances. Like Aaron, who again, you know, both of them, and you know, these as I said, twenty three year olds. I'm sure they both are. And wow, you know, the future is is bright with them too. And uh, as I said, you know, I expect her to start the next game now, uh, Fleming. Not not just because you've just come on and put one in top corner, but you know, again, she, she she's she's always going to be there or thereabouts in, in the thinking of Emma. And as we said, unlucky not to start, but I can see her starting the next game because I think she deserves to. Yeah, Rob, we've seen Fleming obviously play a bit more regularly. We've seen you know, her confidence grow. She didn't celebrate the goal really. She just turned it around and then hug the nearest player to her. She looked a little bit embarrassed to score a goal that good. Mm. Do you think that could hold her back because she develops, that she doesn't seem to realise how good she is or have that arrogance of a, of a great player? I mean, N'Golo Conte is the same. It hasn't really hurt him. Um, I, uh, you know, I will actually, shamelessly, I'm going to claim credit. Ever since I got a photo of Jesse Fleming at a match, she's scored three times and got three assists. So I'd like to shamelessly claim credit for um, the upturn in form. Now, I think it's one of those things where you have to like, say, last year, I think it was a tough year for Fleming. Um, obviously, coming over in the middle of a pandemic, a completely different, you know, style of life, a completely different way of life, a completely different league, and a very tough side and squad to get into. Um, we've also Melanie Leupold's playing so well. And again, obviously, she'll be back next year, which is another huge boon to, you know, Chelsea's sort of um, midfield prospects. And also, G, I think, having a really good sort of year last year but Fleming the thing for me that really capitalizes with Fleming is that she she doesn't really have a obvious ceiling she doesn't have anything she's not good at she's you know quite she's not slow she's got a really good engine she can tackle quite well she tracks back she reads the game really well she can pick a pass and she's adding goals to her game and I think that's when you're looking at that that's one of the issues I think Chelsea has maybe had in the past is when you don't have you have so much of a reliance on the front three scoring. But now when you look at it, you've got people like Jesse chipping in with goals. You've got Guru chipping in with goals. You've got Beth England, who's always going to get you X number of goals. You've got Aaron Cuthbert starting to score more. You've got the centre-backs being a threat at set pieces. Sophie Ingalls due her world at some point this season. My bet mm-hmm. is Manchester United at home, um, ideally in you know the early minutes to settle that game down. But you know having that, options gee so young will also you know get a few goals having that spread across the squad means that you're not constantly relying on that one player to sort of make that difference and I think that's such an important thing and I think maybe that's where to a point Chelsea lacked a little bit last year in the UWCL campaign so many of the goals came from Kirby Kerr or Harder and this year I think you know if you had that campaign again you'd maybe say you know Fleming will chip in more Wrighton will chip in more. You'll have those opportunities to get goals from elsewhere. Who did she score against recently, though? And again, the ball came down. She controlled it really well and just she was Reading. quite close to the goal. Was it Reading? And just Re- Reading, you know, was... another game that I was at. So, you know, again, I'm going to claim the credit for that one. It was um, a beautiful finish as well, but she didn't seem, you know, she, you know, she was just so laid back about it. And I was like, oh, wow. The, you know, she uh, brought it out, out of the sky. It was talent. The talent was amazing. I mean, listening to Fleming on one of the podcasts she's been on on their pitch, like, you you can see there's such a you know humbleness and a humbleness about the way she's sort of obviously been 
brought up and the way she sort of treats the game. And I think it's been said Pamela Hard has sort of took her under her wing at Chelsea a little bit, her and sort of Magda. And I can't think of, you know, two more professionals you'd want to learn from Magda, who's like the consummate professional and a world-class defensive player. And Penilla Harder, who, you know, is in the top five players in the world, arguably in the top three players of the world. So, like, have those two as your reference points and, you know, the people you can learn from. It just means you're inevitably going to get better and better and better. Mm. Yeah, well, That's why we call her the baby goat, obviously. <laughs> uh, and obviously, thanks to Rob for the magical selfie uh, that's helped her season so far. Um, Dana, a huge step towards the title. I mean, these kind of wins, you know, the one against Aston Villa in the last minute, you know, this with 10 players, they just add a little bit extra to your, your, your belief, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's just a shame that when I flicked over to how Arsenal was getting on the other night, they was quite comfortably beating Everton. But, you know, I thought I thought they might have, uh, again, you know, I don't want to give them credit, but, you know, they showed absolute professionalism to go there and because they could have seen that. They could have watched that, you know, seen, seen Chelsea go down to 10 men rubbing their hands and... Uh, but, you know, and that, that could have really, 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 you know, made them stutter a little bit, but it didn't. But, you know, in our case, we just need to worry about ourselves. We've been saying that for weeks now. We win our games. We, we, we've won the league. And uh, we did that against against quite a few odds on, on Sunday. And, you know, again, f- familiarity will be there again on Thursday. Uh, playing exactly the same team again. It's going to be tough, as you as you as you said. You know they were set up in a, in a certain way. We expect us to play against eleven. But as soon as we went down to ten, it looked like it obviously confused them as well. They didn't know what to do, and, and then obviously Emma produced a tactical masterclass at halftime, and uh, we come away with a three points. So it'll be interesting to see how they both how both teams set up on on Thursday. Again, we just need to worry about ourselves. Get those three points at this end of the season. You know, it's the points first, performance second. Yeah. And uh, like I like I was sort of saying to the people around me on on Sunday for the men's, you know, I didn't really care about the performance, even though it was freaking dire. It was all about the three points. So yeah, yeah, we just need to do keep on doing what we do, carry on being us, and 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 hopefully, you know, we'll win the league. Yeah, Willie uh, Willie Kirk was on the BBC, Rob, uh, as one of the pundits, uh, and he said after the game, you know, that's why they're champions um, because they can pull out a performance like that and. Is that going to have an advantage for Chelsea having that experience in these situations and in this run-in against Arsenal? Undoubtedly, uh, undoubtedly. I mean, I um, again, I, I very, I was reluctant in the game against Reading to start in the now you're going to believe this chant. But after <laughs> that game against Tottenham, I was quite happy to do it um, because I think you know Tottenham at home. I think we should win. I'll be honest. I think you know with eleven players. 11 superior players with the, you know, a proper pitch and hopefully with a referee that isn't determined to ensure the title goes back to North London, um, we should win. Birmingham away, again, they will be fighting for their lives, you suspect, although their decision may they play Manchester City midweek. So it may be a case of pride, but again, you'd hope that we can come past them. We have beaten them a couple of times already this season. And then it obviously comes down to United on the final day and because of their results, it's possible United could come to Kings Meadow with absolutely nothing to play for. Um, if I think if City win their game, it is also possible United could come to Kings Meadow and need to win. And I think if they need to come and they need to win, that makes it incredibly difficult for them because they're not the sort of side that play a lot on the front foot and they will leave a lot of gaps at the back that we can exploit. 
yeah, I think I'd rather United come to Kings Meadow needing three points. Well, think... Did you say? Did you say Willie Kirk was quite? Was he complimentary about us? Right, Rob, Rob didn't have a selfie with him as well, did he? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I will say with with Willie Kirk, I every time I've seen him on the BBC, he's done it quite a lot this season. He has been an absolutely fantastic pundit, and I will say he often speaks really, really well for the game. I did say at the time I thought his sacking at Everton was um, unlucky. I thought, you know, they acted quite rashly. And again, it didn't hasn't improved their season in shock horror. You know, just sacking the manager doesn't always fix fundamental issues. Um, he will get another job, you know, sooner rather than later somewhere in the WSL. And he will be a great fit somewhere. Um, I will also, one final point I think it's worth making um, from seeing it from a live perspective how good the Chelsea away fans are. They were all game outsung, out for out, you know, out battled the Tottenham fans. There was, um, you know, a great sort of a great camaraderie and a great, you know, show support from the away end. And you could tell it did lift the players, especially late on in the game when, you know, players were getting individual chance for, you know, great bits of play they were doing. It was just giving them a little bit of a lift. One of them was an example with Sophie Ingle. She, you know, chanting her name. And a minute later, she's flying into a slide tackle. She had absolutely no right of winning it against two Tottenham players and comes out and just, you know, completely cleans them both out, but won the ball completely fairly and set up a counter-attack. And I think that's one thing, you know, a lot of credit has to go to is that the Chelsea fans are magnificent. I know there's been criticism on the men's side of the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge at times this season. Um and I think, you know, rightly so. I would say at the moment, there's a better atmosphere in general at Kings Meadow than there is at Stamford Bridge. And I right. would happily argue that with people if they want to argue it. That's right. That's, that's just making the point that, uh, you know, valid point we were making at the beginning of the show, saying how important is segregation. You know, you can build relationships, build friendships. You notice people more away games because you see the same faces. And, you know, being segregated means you've got that, you know, that moment together. And uh, mm. yeah, I think it'd be really good for, it, it can't be that hard, surely, you know, to, to sort it out. Uh, it'd be so so good for the game. And, you know, even the players know where they, where they can come over to for a clap and uh, see, you know, the, the popular selfies if Rob's in there or and anything else. So, yeah, no, I think it's, it'll be a great idea to segregate. Hopefully they do bring it in. Yeah, it's going to be a cue for Rob on Thursday after the game, hoping to get um, in the team for Birmingham. <laughs> I was going to speak about the away fans, Rob, because Aaron Cuthbert after the game said every game's like a home game for us because of the mm. fans are so loud. They always outsing the home fans. Um, and as you said, again, they were superb uh, on the day, as they always are. Uh, speaking of Aaron, though, she was the player of the match on the BBC and our Discord also voted her player of the match. Um, she said, I don't think I've quite had a game like that. Uh, what are your thoughts on her performance? Because she seemed to be everywhere. Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, it was like, it's one of those things I've now just come to expect from Erin this year because she's been so, you know, consistent. She's in, you know, one of my shouts for the player of the season. Um, probably one of my shouts for the league player of the season, considering how versatile she's been at right wing back, sometimes on right wing in central midfield. She's even somehow got one percentage of minutes at centre-back. Um, which I've got no idea how that's happened, but, you know, I've got no surprise. Um, I just think, you know, she's been absolutely brilliant. She's becoming that player. I think that everyone knew there was that potential for her to be. And I think maybe after a slow season last year, punctuated with injuries and other, you know, problems getting into the team, she's really showed what an asset she can be. 
I will say my personal player of the match didn't actually go to her. Actually, went to Jess Carter again. Um, I am currently leading and spearheading the single-handed charge for Jess Carter to be the uh, WSL Player of the Year. I think the transformation of Carter from the player we saw last season, who could be a bit, you know, um, erratic, sometimes did make individual errors, sometimes struggled with individual duels. You can see the development of a player and also as a person. She has become a leader on the pitch. She has become someone who is so reliable. She reminds me in a lot of ways of, you know, the best time of Azpilicueta for Chelsea and that you can just see her go on the pitch and you know you're going to get a 7, 8 out of 10 every single week. She also, I think, was quite fired up because uh, her dad was watching her yesterday. Um, he is a Spurs fan, but we all can't be perfect. And, uh, you know, after the game, you could tell it, you know, she had immense pride at putting in that performance. Yeah, she's had quite the year. I've written about her for my, honestly, Chelsea FCW. She's in my Player of the Year conversation. Um, Dane, after the game was right, Emma Hayes obviously speaking to the Chelsea TV, and she said that this ranks right up there in terms of her best performances of the, the team under her. Um, does that show how important this win was with 10 players for 70 minutes for Emma? All the games she's had, the big games she's coached, you know, this one ranks up there for her. Well, yeah, well, it's, it's got to be because, you know, the adrenaline takes over. And as we said, she's had to change her tactics, probably fearing the worst when, when Anne Katchenberger got sent off. And uh, you're just not expecting it, are you? Uh, a few changes at half time, and you know, as as you said, you know, the passion, you know, that Rob saying, you know, the, the the Tottenham players were trying to get in the faces, obviously on on the wind up, seeing if we can get any reactions. Obviously, obviously, different reactions to sending off. Obviously, not the, not the burger where she obviously just took someone out when they were through on goal. So yeah, of course it will be. And you'll come off that on such a high. Do you know what I mean? And uh, brilliant. And what? To be in, as you know, as we said about 25 minutes ago, you know, it's in our own hands. You know, win the three remaining games, we've won the league, and it's, it's it's moments like this where you do come together. And yeah, it might not be, we might only be a point clear, but whether it's whether it's one point or, or a ten, it's still in our hands. And you know, we've got to finish off the job. But yeah, it must have been an emotional time for the players. You know, the supporters, as Rob said, he would have experienced the, what everyone was. You you know what everyone's feeling. You can feel a sort of the buzz and, and the ambience in the air so yeah it, she would have felt it as well and she'd have been so pumped up she you know you can tell she's a very heart on heart on the sleeve sort of sort of personality as well and i wouldn't actually like to be in the opposition dugout standing next to her <laughs> outwitting me and out talking me and out shouting me but yeah so, so thankful she's she, she's a blue yeah well i saw harry edwards one of our you know friends of the show he tweeted during the game that Chelsea have conceded the opening goal on three previous occasions this season, not including today. They lost all three. This was after Spurs took the lead, and I, f I, f I feared the worst. But you know, Chelsea put in <laughs> a fantastic performance for the for the second half, especially, and deserved uh, all three points. Uh, elsewhere in the WSL, um, Brighton lost three one to Burnham City. Um, Man City won four 0 against Leicester. Uh, Reading lost 2-1 to West Ham. Uh, Aston Villa drew 0-0 with Manchester United. And Arsenal beat Everton 3-0, as Dane alluded to uh, earlier. Uh, the table then is still Chelsea top on 47 points. Arsenal second, 46 points. Manchester United third on 39 points. Man City fourth on 38 points. Although Man United have played a game extra than everyone else in that top four. Uh, then you've got Tottenham, West Ham, Brighton, Reading, Aston Villa, 
Everton, Leicester City and Birmingham hoping to make the greatest of all great escapes. Uh, but they have got Chelsea, Man City and then Arsenal, I think, their last three games of the season. Uh, and they need to win at least two of them. Uh, so good luck to them. Uh, we're going to go for a short break now and then come back and talk about the game on Thursday against uh, Tottenham, believe it or not. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to part two of Wentzmo King's Meadow. Time then to look ahead to the game on Thursday uh, against Tottenham. So we've been waiting all season to play them, and then we play them twice in uh, four days. Um, Dane, obviously, Emma went with a game plan for this game. It all changes when AKB gets sent off. Do you think she'll just copy and paste that, or she'll make changes? Nice. So you both had Bethany starting and, and I, 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 I jotted down two teams and two different formations because I like to have a couple of options, as you know, Dean. I don't like to, you know, s- stick my pin on, on just one. Uh, and yeah, and I obviously went for the, the obvious 3-5-2 or the 4-4-1-1. Uh, but I didn't have Bethany starting, but I think that's quite harsh. And I think she might, but I had Harder coming in for her. And I also had Fleming, Fleming coming in for G. Mm. Uh, and obviously, I had Ericsson coming in for Nguyen as well. So, and potentially Anderson if I was going the four four one one. 
So you're basically going for the side that finished the game. <laughs> I just wondered, you know, I, I remember that time that we had we, when 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 she uh, she adjusted about six, seven, eight games ago, and she she put Cuthbert inside and had Fleming on the right. But Fleming was doing a job, and sometimes she, she would drift in to the centre to 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 really. Uh, Drown out. The, I can't remember who we was playing their midfield. Uh, was it? Was it Arsenal? It's hard to remember. But yeah, I've, I've I've kept my options open. But I, I I have a feeling that Harder will come in and Fleming and Eriksson, and you can pick the three five two or the four four one one. It's it's hard because she's she's obviously had to change tactics, hasn't she? She's gone in with a game plan and she's adjusted to the sending off, and it's worked. So that is going to be, uh, you know playing on her mind but it's also it's going to play on Tottenham's mind because they had a game plan and they were playing the team down to 10 men and they didn't adjust and they didn't sort of uh, handle it very well so that could knock them down a few pegs for this Thursday yeah Rob I'll tell you my team and then you can obviously explain your picks sure. uh, obviously Muzovic is going to be in goal I've got Bright Carter Ericsson as the back three uh, Charles Cuthbert Ingle Wrighton and then I've got Harder supporting England and Kerr so Jesse Fleming doesn't start and I think if England hadn't gone off, I think Fleming and Harder probably would have supported Kerr in a 3-4-3. I think England's, because she took her off, I think she's going to start her. What's yeah, I, I, I broadly agree. Um, I think I'd probably have it uh, with Musovic in goal, uh, the back three of Carter, Brighton. To be honest, I think now we'll start at Kings Meadow. I think it was more the pitch that was the issue. Um it's possible that Magda might come back in. I don't think that's un, you know necessary completely out of it. I think with Neem looking like she was nursing a knock, I think you might see Yana playing at right wing back. I think she's versatile enough to come in there. Um, alternatively, you might suggest Carter go out there and now I'm playing in the three. And then Guro right and at left wing back. The midfield two, I think, will probably be I know, sorry, midfield three of Ingle, Fleming, and Cuthbert. And then I think, you know, probably Beth and Sam up front, maybe uh, Panilla and Sam. Yeah, I suppose it's obviously good for us, Dane, that there are so many options. And either way you put a team out, they're a strong team. Well, as you, you know, oh, yeah, the options are made. If you think it was only a few weeks ago, we're struggling to, to still put like four or five on the bench. As you said, you know, we was in a position, you know, Marion Mielder, Lauren James, Abdelina and Spence obviously didn't get on. But, you know, we made we brought on Jonah Anderson, Eriksson, Fleming, Harder, and obviously Musevich was forced. But the options were amazing. The options turned turned the game for us. And, you know, that's why big squads do win leagues and cups and, and titles and are successful over years. And hopefully we can, you know, we can we, we finally sort out our freaking ownership. So, we, you know, Emma and, and the team can start working on some, some thoughts for next year because... You know, we was hearing rumours about certain players coming and goings, and 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 a new maybe a new fresh fresh ideas and looks. But you know, be that may, in this particular moment, the options are amazing. You know, even before Lauren Jane's picked up an injury recently, she was just starting to get a, a couple more minutes. Got her first goal against uh, Leicester away, and and then unfortunately she falls injured. But another great option to come off the bench if needed, seeing as you know she she, she stepped up. The pecking order a little bit with 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 Fran not being available at the moment, but yeah, it, you need the options. That's proved, and uh, those options worked for us on Sunday, and will always work for us because it's just the way it is. It's a squad game. Yeah, Rob, do you think with the way that Rachel Williams played the game, that is, 
might be better suited for, for Jess to play that central defensive role and then let her go one-on-one against her. Yeah, potentially. Um, be interested to see what sort of reception Rachel Williams gets back at Kings Meadow. Usually former players tend to get quite a good one. Um, uh, whether that'll be the case or not remains to be seen. Um, she was clearly very fired up to play against Chelsea, let's put it that way. I, I think, to be honest, whatever 11 Chelsea sort of put out there, I think with a better pitch and with, you know, the situation of the side with the mental benefit that you will get of Sunday, because inevitably that will be a mental benefit to Chelsea, but also a mental, you know, Hartner on, a dis, sort of Hartner on Tottenham in that the fact they had 10 players and still couldn't, you know, overcome Chelsea and in the end were beaten quite comfortably. I think Chelsea can, you know, win it quite easily. Yeah, add to that, Dane, that Tottenham are, are well out of the Champions League race now. That the, They're not going to qualify for the Champions League. They were in the hunt, but now not. Um, do you think that's going to have an effect on you know, on them coming to Kings Meadow, just being beaten, as Rob said, by 10 players quite convincingly? They're going to be Hopefully. lacking confidence. <laughs> Hopefully. They're also I hope, they're I hope they come with their, uh, yeah, with their, with their minds and, and uh, swimsuits and, and feet firmly on the beaches. But they've had such a great season, you know. Again, if we if 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 we we've shown some respect to to a team, you know, who have produced you know some some really good moments this season and come on leaps and bounds. And if they had a couple of, obviously, lucky for them, they're in a good position to <laughs> to to make some signings. If they had a couple of good signings, and they could be they could be a threat. They could be you know really hoping to you know to split vote the uh, the three or four up there, but. You know, and in this sense, we, you know, we've got hope that that is not to their confidence. But, you know, overall, that shouldn't take away from from how well they have actually done this season. And I think they've got a talented manager, talented team. And if you just put two really good players in there, but they'll be a, they'll be a, just as much of a threat uh, next season as they have been this season. But I thought, you know, I thought we handled them very comfortably in the end. Yeah, Rianskin has done it. A- a fantastic job this season and like I said a bit of investment it doesn't cost loads in the women's game to make a big difference to your squad it depends if Tottenham as a club want to make that investment uh, for her Uh, Rob obviously you was at the game around some Spurs fans at the end of the bar any indication that they're going to bring a good following on Thursday or not? Yeah I'd like to think they would Um, to be honest I think you know whatever following they bring they'll be drowned out anyway by you know the Kings Meadow Massive so I, I kind of think, you know, it'll be good to see another away attendance, but obviously, you know, Thursday nights, actually they'll be used to Thursday night's football if they're Spurs fans. Um, but I, uh, I do think it sort of is a bit of a obnoxious kickoff time. I'll come out and say that. We've heard a lot today about this fan-led review and, you know, the Premier League opposing an independent regulator, opposing, you know, less control over kickoff times opposing not being able to monopolise everything. Football is primarily for the fans and isn't as much of a spectacle without the fans. And I think, you know, the WSL needs to remember that with this big TV deal, it shouldn't be an excuse to shaft the fans. Yeah, I do like evening kickoffs though. Um, the worst one was Sunday, 6.45. Um, not a fan of that kickoff time. Yeah, agreed. Um, waiting around all day for the match. Um, wondering what you're waiting for, but... As you said, with the fan review, I think there's a review into the women's game as well being set up by the government. Yep. Um, so we'll see what that looks like uh, when it comes. Um, Dane, I want to just ask about Magda Eriksson because, um, as Rob said, it could be no surprise if, if Nguyen starts this game again with, with the pitch. 
Mm. Has it shocked you that, that Chelsea have coped so well without her? Uh, yeah, that's a hard question to answer. You know, I was really impressed early on from Anik Nguyen, you know, obviously comes, you know, Dutch pleasure to come with a good pedigree, you know, brought up the right way in in Holland. And I was really impressed with her early on. I mean, she struggled with a few injuries. Uh, so, yeah, it's hard because I don't want to take anything away of how important I believe Ericsson is to us as, as a personality, as a leader, as a captain and as a player. You know, she's still got so much more to give. I think she's 28, maybe maybe 29 now. It's still a great age for a footballer and a great age for a defender, you know. And I said she brings so much more than just what you see on the field. So, yeah, I can't, it's, it's hard to answer because I don't want to take anything away from how important I think she is and how I, I still love seeing her in the team and everything about, you know, you know her smile, her leadership. You know, she's a she's a she's a mountain of a player and. Uh, yeah, I it's it's a hard question to answer, but I think Anik Nguyen has come in and we haven't seen her struggle a hell of a lot. You know, you guys said that she, she looked like she was struggling to cope with the conditions and and the movement of Williams on 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 Sunday, but we haven't seen her struggle a lot. So that, that that's, that's 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 good for her. You know, we've seen uh, a few transfers over the years, including Fleming, come in and and, and struggle that first season. And Vanek has, has settled in well and, and been very, very consistent. And that is, you know, a massive praise to her and the coaching staff and, and her teammates who have obviously helped her out, you know, and the team, the whole ethics that, that, that Emma goes by. So, as I said, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's too hard to answer. So, Rob can answer it if he wants. <laughs> yeah, well, I think... Um... We've looked a good one because Jess Carter's had a great season. Um, and then two, Millie Bright um, has led the team incredibly well in, in Magda's absence. And that's why you know we can discuss if Magda's going to come into the team on Thursday, which at the start of the season would have you'd have thought you was crazy having that discussion. Mm, yeah, no, agreed. I think it's a testament to all of the players in that defense. I think every single one of them this year has come on leaps and bounds. Um I'd also like to give praise to Nim Charles as well. I think Nim Charles has come in brilliantly in the last few weeks and has really offered a lot for that forward position. She is also still, you know, an incredibly young player. I think she's, what, 21, 22. So that younger core starting to develop there of now and Nim Charles, Jess Carter, even though she seems to have been around forever, she's only still 23. Um, you know, Erin Cuthbert, Jesse Fleming, Lauren James, also Abdelina there is that younger core coming through. And I think that's what is so reassuring about the squad building is that when the younger core is coming through, it's spurring on the more senior players to do better and to keep performing because they know their positions aren't, you know, guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. The future is very bright, uh, Chelsea, that's for sure. Um, time then to get some predictions from you both. Um, it's my show, so I'm going first with 3-0 Chelsea. Um and I love doing that to Dane. Uh, so I'll go to Rob so Dane can have another think about what he's going to say. So, I mean, factory in the fact that it's Chelsea at home. Um, we've got the second best defensive record in Europe at home and Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. I'm going to go for a really optimistic 4-0. 4-0. Dane, you've either got to be really optimistic or quite yes, cautious. Yeah, Jesus Christ, you've you, you, you <laughs> done me up like a kipper, you two. Because I did have 3-0 in my head. I fancied uh, Kerr terrorising them again and probably I, I fancied her getting a brace. 
but do I do I get uh, yeah, well, I suppose I'll have to say I, I can't see two now. I think we'll we'll, we'll go after him. I think we'll be we'll be full of beans after after Sunday's performance, and so I suppose I'll have to say five now, even though in brackets I wouldn't say three nil. I'll write the brackets down just for you. <laughs> I, I I do hope that you're right over me, um, because that will make an entertaining game on Thursday. Which uh, Rob, I will I'm going to see you there to get a selfie because I'm going to win the lottery this week. Um, I've had enough. I can't of work. guarantee that will happen. I think I think you made the claim it, it was because of you. So yeah, I, mean, I, I, I yeah, but that's for professional sports people. I'm afraid I don't think you quite qualify. Yeah, you're not professional sports star, Dean. Sorry, <laughs> not professional anything, um, let alone sports. Um, but yeah, Rob, thank you for for giving up your time this evening. Um, where can people find you on social media? Um, yeah, if people in real wanna, life. If, yeah, if people want to find me and uh, want to find me and want to enjoy my uh, superior memes, it's at RJP Journalism. And uh, the much more interesting follow is actually at the CSW social where there's much more, you know, useful content and not just me and Dean constantly trying to one-up each other. Yeah, although there's less one-upping on your side. Uh, more like one-all-in, I think I'd call it. <laughs> uh, Dane, obviously good that we had to postpone um, our recording or reschedule it so you could join us. Um, good to see you again. Yeah, late finish today. Yeah, no, it's nice having Rob on. He did message me personally and said... Uh, Dean's, you asked him to come on, but he was only going to come on if I could guarantee I was coming on. So uh, uh, it, it was nice that he's uh, he come on, and he, he does actually show some good in, insight, you know. And he, you know, shockingly, here. shockingly, yeah, he is very good, and obviously he goes like you know regularly like Jane. So it's it's nice to see, you know. Obviously, I spent my day at the men's, so uh, it's always good to, to to get Rob's insight or someone who was actually there, and obviously. I can only answer the questions about the goals, so I didn't get much today. So it was more of the uh, Dean Rob with, with with a little bit of Dane show today. Yeah, well, I did see a picture of the Chelsea fans at the game, and then one face <laughs> really caught my attention, and I thought we should speak to that guy about this game. Uh, did he have his phone there. in his hand? Unfortunately, he wasn't available. I don't think it was time. No, no, it was. Believe it or not, it was actually one of the decisions I was baffled by because it went in Chelsea's favour. It was um, Ash Neville put in a great tackle on Gura Wrighton that got, you know, for some reason was a free kick to Chelsea. And I had absolutely no idea why it was given. And that's why my state of permanent confusion, although to be honest, whenever I'm, especially when I'm watching Chelsea men, I usually have that face anyway. So it's not really much of a shock. See, Rob's just reminded me, I want to change my prediction. So whatever score, if 3-0 or 5-0 plus, and Ashley, uh, Ashley Neville, a yellow card. She's not playing. She's oh, she, oh, she, of, oh, that's why too many yellow cards. Of five yellow cards. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I won't be putting a bet on that then. Yeah, no, save your money. Um, keep it in your pocket. Um, that is all we've got time for this week. Um, a reminder if you, you know, enjoy what we do, you can sign up to our Patreon as Ali did this week. Uh, so thank you to him for joining us on Patreon. Uh, our Discord is the place to be if you want to chat all things Chelsea during match days and during the week. Uh, if you live in America, they the chat during the day, so our night time. Uh, we get the occasional Arsenal fan uh, putting spam in there at three o'clock in the morning, um, but that's been dealt with uh, thanks to uh, our good friend Medicine, aka Ben. Um, there is still time to register your interest in our future Ball Hers um, boot sponsorship scheme. Uh, the links for all of those three are being in the description box. If you want to follow us on Twitter, 
We are at Mo Kings Meadow. I'm at D Mears. Uh, Dane is at D Wit Nine. And then Rob's, as he said, RJP Journalism or the CFCW Social. We're also on Instagram at Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Um, we will be back at some point either after Tottenham or after Birmingham this weekend to review one or two matches. Um, we will see uh, what the schedule looks like. But until next time, from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep the blue flag flying. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.